Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Pass swings. On the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! Welcome to Georgia Southern Extra. I'm your host, Nathan Dominitz, sports content editor of the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. We talk about Georgia Southern athletics and especially football. And we're back to game week. Uh, Georgia Southern plays at Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, at 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central Time on Thursday. We're recording on Monday, and we have a special guest, Corey Diaz from the Daily Advertiser in Lafayette, Louisiana. And we're gonna, I'm going to bring Corey on the show in a minute. I just want to re- refresh everybody's memory. I'm sure you remember back to Saturday. Georgia Southern at home, 3-0 at Paulson Stadium this season. And Georgia Southern had a lead. Uh, they had a 14-0 lead, a 21-7 lead very early. Gave um, South Alabama time to come back. And the, the Jags were down 31-17 with about eight and a half minutes left in the third quarter. And then it was all Jags the rest of the way. LaDamian Webb uh, ran for three touchdowns in the, in the second half. Those were the last three scores of the game. Final score was South Alabama, 38 uh, Georgia Southern 31 drops Georgia Southern to uh, five and four overall two and three in the very crowded East division race. Uh, Coastal Carolina has the big upper hand on that. They're eight and one overall five and one in the conference in the division. So I guess it would just be a mathematical formula to see how they can't win the division. Uh, on the other side, we've got the West division where um, on any given year in recent memory, Louisiana would be the first team to name They've won, what, a ton of games the last three years. Billy Napier's last uh, three years there. Now he's at Florida. And Michael DeSormo, I hope I'm pronouncing Coach DeSormo's name correctly, former star quarterback there, is now the head coach, a longtime assistant. And this is where I'm going to bring on our guest, Corey Diaz from the Daily Advertiser. Corey, how are things going in Lafayette? Welcome to the show. Nate, thanks so much for having me. So good to see you, man. Though we were uh, within the... The, the throng of the Gannett umbrella. I know we were, yeah. we were teammates last year, so it's good to be with you yeah. again. I would see Corey, one, for those of you who care, I would see Corey about <laughs> once a week on a Thursday morning, uh, along with uh, about 15 other sports writers and editors to talk college football. Not the worst thing in the world to wake up for, uh, but uh, that's that's how I know Corey. And uh, he, uh, Corey, this is your first full year on the, on the uh, Raging Cajuns beat, but you know Louisiana sports very well. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they brought me back. Uh, so just so your readers or listeners know, um, mm-hmm. you know, I spent last year covering uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks. And so um, there was an opening back here in Louisiana uh, to cover UL football, LSU women's basketball. And, uh, you know, they they wanted me back and and I was gladly uh, I was glad to, to accept. And but before that, you know, I had a lot of experience here in the state of Louisiana, spent four years covering Louisiana Tech and Grambling State. Um, so I'm, I'm very well connected kind of throughout all corners. Um, and obviously, I think that's part of the reason why they wanted me back. And so uh, it's been good. Uh, it's been going, you know probably better for me than it has been for the raging cages this year so far. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, four and five with three games to go is probably not like how anyone would have predicted that mm-hmm. this season would go. Right. Uh, even with the loss of, of Billy Napier and, and, you know, so some roster turnover, I think a lot of people felt like this team was going to be better. Um, and, but there's been some things that they've had to, to work through. So um, I think mm-hmm. we see that with this team on a week to week basis. 
What was it considered a, a rebuilding year? I think when you look at the preseason um, predictions and all that, people know what they know. So on paper, they knew Louisiana had some continuity in the coach. They knew they didn't have the the head coach from, from before Billy Napier. They didn't have Levi Lewis, the quarterback. I was only joking when I said he was there six or seven years, but you got to look that one up. It's got to be close. It's at least five. He was there at least five years. I think he played with his kids on the team. I'm not sure. Uh, he had a gray beard by the time he left. I think they put him in the Hall of Fame. Now, Levi Lewis, a, a killer of Georgia Southern and other teams. Uh, where's Levi now? And uh, how's the quarterback position been without such a dependable, rock solid quarterback? Yeah. So, you know, he, um, I think he had a lot of aspirations to potentially actually be an NFL draft pick, you know, in, in April. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't work out for him. But the night of the draft, you know, he, he signed with the Seattle Seahawks. And I know he spent a few months with them, you know, going through their, you know, rookie mini camp. And, mm. um, and he was released, I believe, back in May. Um, and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of the CFL uh, snatched him up. And, and that's where he currently is. Uh, he's in the CFL. And um, look, it, it's we, we knew coming in, uh, and, and even I knew with it being my first year on this beat, I, I knew that it was going to be hard for this program to continue the the level of success mm -hmm. that they experienced under, under Napier, just because, um, you know, you know, he's gone. I thought at the time from what I knew of the team and just kind of my general knowledge of college football that, you know, the Osiris Torrance transfer out Montreal Jordan at, at running back transferred out. They followed Billy to Florida. Oh yeah. Those were, those were probably, the Cajuns two best NFL prospects um, off that would have been off of this year's team. And, and you lose, you know, two big pieces like that. And it's going to be hard. You know, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of uh, chemistry and cohesion that you're, that you have to try to find uh, really early on. And, and I, I do credit Michael Desimo, you know, in his first year, you know, he really allowed Chandler Fields and Ben, ben Woolbridge uh, to to kind of settle the quarterback battle on their own, you know, through spring, through mm -hmm. offseason workouts, even even through the first two weeks of, of preseason practice. Uh, they were those two guys, you know, for all intents and purposes, were neck and neck. Um, apparently it was it, it was a super, super, super tight competition to to succeed Levi Lewis at that spot. And and. Um, ultimately Chandler won that job and, um, but Desimo said he felt like Wooldridge, uh, obviously competed very well in that competition and, and deserved to play. So the, the plan early on this year was to rotate Wooldridge in every third series mm. of the game. Now, you know, for UL fans and probably for Georgia Southern fans as well, they're, they're probably aware that this is something that Napier, you know, implemented um, with Andre Nunez and Levi Lewis when Levi was a freshman. Uh, and I do believe back then, I actually think it was every fourth series that Levi would come into the game for the Cajuns. Um, but this is not something that was unprecedented for this program to try. Of course, Desimo was on the staff at the time when this was going on anyway. And so uh, I think, I think when you look at it though, Nathan, when you look at Levi Lewis and you look at the body of work between Chandler Fields and Ben Wooldridge, you know, at this time, you know, you're looking at a Nunez guy who had played in Juco um, and was on UL's football roster the year before they decided to, to bring Levi Lewis into the game like that. 
the situations I felt like were were different enough to where I personally thought there shouldn't have been any rotating at the quarterback. You named a guy. Chandler Fields was your guy. Mm -hmm. He should have been allowed and afforded the opportunity to play full games. Um, And I think a lot of the inconsistencies and the inefficiencies that we've seen out of UL, especially early on in this year, I think a lot of it can be traced back to the lack of rhythm that the offense has been able to get into because of the quarterbacks. Yeah. I think you might've heard the old saying, when you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. I've heard um, that. I, I'm, I'm sure a, an assistant coach or even head coach has admitted to that. Um, some of the, um, some of us who've been around a few decades have seen both, you know, had seen it work and seen it not work. I think Steve Spurrier tried to use that at Florida, just coincidentally that we're talking about Florida again, but, but um Georgia Southern fans know just the instability of quarterback, not having a, a a clear number one, a consistent number one, which is what they've enjoyed this season. Um, Kyle Vantrese is the the starter. He's been maybe they didn't name him starter when he walked on campus, but he, but he was he's been the starter from spring. It may, maybe like I said, maybe they didn't put on the letterhead, but he's been the starter since he got here in the spring. Uh, got most of the reps, uh, certainly in fall camp, he was the starter. And then every game since he's the starter. And what you have is a um, an off passing offense that's one of the tops in the country, not only in, in the Sun Belt, but just in terms of a lot of numbers, a lot of attempts, a lot of passes, a lot of touchdowns, and a lot of interceptions as well that kind of go hand in hand. Uh, Wolders does it has what, like 12 touchdowns to just like four interceptions. So that ratio is pretty good, I'd say. But uh, but you're right. If you don't have a clear number one quarterback, it makes it harder for them to get in rhythm, and that affects the team. And maybe they they kind of, without saying it, they choose sides. Like I'd rather have Chandler. I'd rather have Ben uh, as the guy, especially maybe in a two minute offense or in the fourth quarter when everything counts. So um, the quarterback situation, Georgia Southern, like I said, and the passing. Uh, I don't think they. No offense to any of the the reserve quarterbacks of which that, you know, who are all much younger than Kyle Van Treese. I mean, they have one or, you know, they only have a handful or less games experience at the college level. Um, so they're really counting on Kyle Van Treese to be the guy this year and a bridge to the the next uh, group of, you know, the group of quarterbacks that are here now in the quarterback room, but aren't really in Kyle Van Treese was a three-year start at Buffalo. He's in his sixth year. He's seen everything pretty much that defenses can throw at him. And he uh, he's only been sacked three times, including last week against South Alabama. Now he danced and, and got rid of the ball to get out of some of those sacks. But one of the, one of the things Georgia Southern can take pride in um, is not giving up sacks. Now um, Louisiana, and we're going to take a break here in a minute, but Louisiana, as like you said, they're five and uh, four and five, not what they're used to. And then two and four, I think you wrote this the other day, Corey, are they basically out of the running with Troy at five and one and South Alabama at four and one? Are they mathematically, they've run out of games to catch up, right? Yeah, they're done. They're done, Nathan. Uh, Cause you know, with Troy uh, sitting on that one Sunbelt loss, uh, I think um, they only have two more conference yeah. games left. And so even if Troy were to drop both of those, they would only have three losses. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, for the first time, I believe in what, five or six years, we will have a different uh, Western Division champion competing for the Sunbelt Championship. So uh, it'll be it'll be a different place that the, you know, the Cajuns will be sitting in come that first weekend of December. 
because you, if you think about this, Nathan, I mean, all of these, all of these kids that are on the roster this year at UL, I mean, all they know is winning the Western Division. Right. You know, right. I don't think they have any. That <laughs> maybe there's a seventh year kid that I, on this roster that I'm not uh, completely aware Look of. Look for yet. the guy using a cane. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but uh, but you know, all you know, one you know, 10, 115, you know, including the walk-ons, right? They're all that's all they're used to. Um, is, is it's incredible. Louisiana's been so consistent. Uh, and I want to talk about the the division races and the divisions and the, the just the strength of the league as a whole. And I'll let you. I'll give you that thought. We're gonna we're gonna give take a short break here for a commercial. Uh, but we'll be back with my guest Corey Diaz from the uh, Daily Advertiser in Lafayette, Louisiana. We're previewing the Georgia Southern football game at Louisiana this Thursday night, ESPNU, I believe. So anybody who has ESPNU can watch it uh, on regular uh, cable. Um, you don't have to get a streaming service this time. And we'll be right back after I plug the best source for local news in Savannah, the Savannah Morning News and savannahnow.com. You want to know what the latest on Georgia Southern, like we're talking about right now? How about which high school football teams are hot and which are not? Uh, we're going into the state playoffs this weekend, so hopefully all the teams are hot. There's a couple teams uh, in the state that have snuck in with uh, losing records just based on the uh, supply and demand for slots in the playoffs. Also, Savannah State, uh, the, the Tigers just finished up their season at 5-5, five and five, so look for coverage on that. Uh, we're about to kick off basketball season as well tonight. Corey will be at, uh, you're going to be at a Raging Cajuns women's game, I believe, tonight. Uh, of course, we're recording this on Monday, so by the time you hear this, too late for you to get to the arena to say hi to Corey. Um, We'll have all that more, including news features and opinion comms. Of course, the election season is at it's a high point tomorrow as we record this is, uh, is uh, the midterm elections. Um, if you aren't a subscriber, now's the time to try us out. Uh, the last time I checked, the specials, there's always specials, it seems. There was a special, a dollar for six months. That's a dollar. That's giving it away, Corey. I know I say this to all the guests. You give us one dollar, we give you six months of daily newspaper coverage. That kicks you way past football season into into uh, uh, basketball season and also all the other sports as well uh, out there in the world. Uh, also, there's been specials like uh, $22 for 24 months, so about a dollar a month for two years. Uh, if you want to check out the specials, go to savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and sign up. savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and give us a shot. Thanks very much uh, for, for listening to that commercial. Corey had a chance to eat a meatloaf sandwich, I think. That commercial took so long. Uh, maybe just half of it. Uh, Corey, welcome back. Uh, when you looked at uh, the Sunbelt Conference this preseason, I think people, like I said, they know what they know. They knew App State on the east side, eastern side, always good. They knew Coastal Carolina has been hot for a couple of years. They have their quarterback back, Grayson McCall, the reigning two-time player of the year i mean that's like a gift nowadays to have a, a guy going for three times um and then marshall uh, the new teams marshall a uh, solid program old dominions had its moments uh james madison was a power like a top four program at the uh, fcs level and they started out red hot this year i think five until they ran into georgia southern as it turned out and they've kind of tailed off um uh, but on the west side you probably heard grumblings from the the Texas States and UL, the ULMs of the world, like, hey, we're good too. We're good too. Uh, here we are a couple months later. Yeah, they've had their moments, uh, but Louisiana was the the like the 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 grade A choice for everybody. Like, you want to pick the West Side, go with Louisiana, and look at Troy. Troy, great defense. Like, that's underselling it. Amazing defense. 
called Marshall. He's going to be the all-time leading uh, tackler in FBS history. That's about as sure thing as it can be. Uh, South Alabama was on the upswing, Kane Womack. So what do you make of, uh, and Southern Miss, we don't want to forget them, another new program, which, which Louisiana just played, I believe, um, a couple weeks ago. So what do you make of how the predictions went with still, uh, you know, three weeks to play here? Well, Nathan, I don't want to, you know, sound my own horn here. Um, <laughs> oh, I hear, I hear someone patting themselves yeah. on the back. Can uh, you reach? Yeah. Can you reach all the way? <laughs> <laughs> but uh coming in and again i knew you know i i know it was you know it's my first year on the beat and and you know obviously hadn't been through the ins and outs of the sun belt but you know again from having been a college football watcher for for basically all of my life and and uh you know just doing i felt what i felt like was was not a ton of research on these teams in the league this year but I picked Troy to win the West. Um, I thought from wow. just with them getting, if I remember correctly, they returned 10 of their 11 starters off of their defense last year, which, by the way, their defense last year was already salty. And <laughs> I just felt like their defense with that amount of experience, with that amount of seniors running around out there, um, that if if their offense, regardless of who's playing quarterback or running the football or, or – you know, trying to block on the offensive line. If their offense could just make three plays a game, they probably were going to win a lot of them. You know, you and, know who and, wasn't back um, was the head coach. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and you although know, the guy they got used to be there, so that's that's I have to qualify the same. So you talk about everybody coming back, but it's a new head coach, right? Uh, but. I mean, I don't know, Nathan. I feel like you could have been named Troy's head football coach. Oh. Probably could have won it, gotten bowl eligible this year with that. Again, I, I thought they were, I thought they were super talented defensively. You know, again, I mean, you talked yeah. about you know the Marshall kid, and he's you know going to end up with seven million tackles uh, before his that's, eight. That's actually he's over. rounding off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I really did. I, I thought that I thought that Troy was going to win the West Division. I, I had Smart. picked this yeah. season. Uh, Louisiana to finish second behind them. And I thought South mm-hmm. Alabama was going to be your number three team. And I thought that was kind of going to be your your top tier in the West side. And then there was going to be a little bit of a drop off before you'd get to the Southern Misses, the Arkansas States, the ULMs of the world, Texas State, God love them. But they're, I knew they were going to be bottom dwellers. And then on the East side, um, you know, I had a lot of people did a lot of radio spots, you know, uh, around the, the, the geographical Sunbelt area you know before mm-hmm. the year started and and i got a lot of questions about james madison and, and and from the the pulse that i got from from a lot of radio sh- uh, show hosts you know around the southeast was they thought that james madison was going to struggle in its first year in the fbs and i and i was very cautious to them in saying that because mm-hmm. when you look at when fbs programs would schedule say your north dakota states or your james madison's even you know, when they were still in, in FCS and, and running things on that level, more times than not, the North Dakota States and the James Madisons would win those games. I didn't think James Madison would struggle in year one. I thought they would. Now, I know they're ineligible for the postseason, which I think is a crime, by the way. Right, right. Um, I knew they were ineligible, so they weren't going to be playing for anything. And maybe some people thought that, you know, from a player motivation factor that could oh, you know they that were already upset good. about some other yeah. things with the basketball program not getting to play so right transition so yeah you use the word salty I, I yeah james madison has the uh infrastructure 
they actually spend more. I think they spend more than Georgia Southern. Don't hold me to that. Uh, and they had the scholarships and they had 10 years preparing for that moment. So they had facilities, they had the scholarships. If anybody was ready to join the Sun Belt early, a year early, it was probably James Madison. I think their AD said as much. Yeah, yeah. I I I just I thought I just thought they were set up to succeed from the jump. Um, because they're they're getting um they're getting P5 level kids. You know, I thought they were getting them even at the FCS level. I mean, you know, I was on the South Carolina beat last year. There was a a guy by the name Antoine Juice Wells uh, transferred from James Madison to South Carolina, mm-hmm. plays wide receiver there, and is having a great year for the Gamecocks in the SEC. They were getting P five level kids at the FCS level already, and so I knew they weren't going to struggle. Now we'll say, look, I like probably most everyone else. I I did whiff on App State. I thought App State was going to be the class of the East Division. They still um, have a winning record. It's not like they're terrible or anything. Yeah, they're they're not a bad football team. They they've just you know like them losing in, in San Marcos a few weeks ago. Like what was that? Uh, just completely baffling. Um, the, it, things cycle around that way. Yeah. <laughs> I was not there, but yeah, I would not, I don't, you wouldn't bet against App State to, uh, in that game unless you were, had some sort of connection to uh, Texas State. Yeah. Unless, unless there was some point shaving going on or something. Oh, which, don't which even is, start that. Yeah. That's we, we've not... only got four minutes left in the show. We don't have time to start that. And I mean, literally four minutes. Um, yeah. So, so uh, Louisiana, again, back to them um, there, I was looking at statistically just, you know, just for what it's worth context wise, Georgia Southern's been playing teams um, like South Alabama and James Madison and Old Dominion, who was in first place at the time. They've kind of fallen off uh, drastically, but they they've been playing teams when they were hot. Um, Georgia State was hot. UAB was hot when they played them. Nebraska not so hot when they played them. Um, uh, but uh, they basically been playing teams on a, on a good momentum wise on a pretty good spot. Uh, uh, Louisiana is. Uh, kind of in the same boat, literally, uh, if you want to say, as Georgia Southern. they uh, Georgia Southern, you know, mathematically, there might be an outside chance if there's a, like, triple tiebreaker. But head-to-head, they already lost to Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina only has one loss. The bigger thing to me, and I wrote this, is is getting that six win for eligibility, which Louisiana still can do. Uh, but to get six wins and get in a bowl game, not more than salvages a season, it kind of stamps the season as a progress, season of progress, uh, let alone beating a number 25 James Madison and beating a, a power five Nebraska team, which only happens like once every 15 years or less than that. But uh, anyway, um, Louisiana though is kind of middle of the pack to bottom, the top of the bottom third, if you follow me in a lot of the conference stats for what that's worth, they are really good at turnovers and interceptions. And they're really good at, uh, cause they got, they got a couple guys, and they get really good at punt and kick returns, which came up today at the press conference. That Louisiana is super dangerous. Is it Eric Garrar? Is that how you say his name? Uh, last name Garrar. Yeah. There um, you go. I'll let you say it. Um, <laughs> he's uh, he's uh, he's pretty darn good. And um, uh, I, I know you, got, you had a story about another name for me to fumble through is uh, Jordan uh, Quibido. Yes, starting starting middle linebacker. Yeah, uh, he has a ton of tackles. Eight point two two average. No one's catching Jason Henderson uh, of what James Madison or Old Dominion. Old Dominion, the guy he's got, he averages like twenty one tackles a game or something. And yeah. then, uh, but Braylon Trahan and uh, Jordan were our buddies from way back, and they've been playing together since um, 
the Model T came out, I guess. Uh, obscure <laughs> reference there for you older listeners. Um, but anyway, Louisiana is really good at some things. They're at home. It's a Thursday night national TV game. Um, so you got to think they're going to be, you use the word salty. Uh, they're going to be extra fired up after the way they lost to Troy. Uh, up 17 nothing on Troy with the eight and a half minutes or so left. Troy scores the next 23 points including a touchdown with five seconds left, which on, you know, Georgia Southern can, can knows that feeling after coastal Carolina scored on them in the last minute to win that game, to come back and win that game in, in Conway. So uh, we got one minute left. What do you think is going to happen on, on uh, Thursday? You think Georgia Southern will be fired up and then we'll have to sign off here. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, we talked with, with Des a little bit uh, in his press conference earlier today, getting ready for what Georgia Southern does offensively uh, with Kyle Bontrees, uh quarterback spot. I think he's third in the FBS uh, in passing yards. Uh, I think the, the passing offense as a whole is fourth in FBS. Um, on a short week with potentially some defensive starters out due to injury um, at some spots that could affect the pass rush, um, things are not trending in the right direction for the Cajuns in this last home game for them on a Thursday night. Um, they're going to need uh, an even better run game than what they've been able to get uh, the last couple of uh, weeks. And uh, defensively, they are going to have to force some turnovers, find some ways to do that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I see the Eagles winning this thing. Southern. Pass swings on the way. It's gone. 